This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting-edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. Well, welcome back to Doce Digest. Today, we're continuing our series on energy medicine. We hope you're enjoying this series and find it beneficial to both you uh, and understanding what you have been experiencing and maybe even trying to help explain it to some of your family or friends. So just a little recap. In episode one, we started off with the question, what is energy? Right? We discussed the physics and laws of energy. We even dove into the chemistry, the biophysics, and quantum physics aspects of energy. In episode two, we discussed the history of energy medicine. We discussed the many different aspects of energy medicine throughout man's history. In episode three, we talked about the senses and the intuition. We dove into the physical aspects of those senses, the receptors and the subconscious and intuition. Episode four, we dove into the major aspects of frequencies in our environment regarding the effects of things from space and how it affects the earth, the sun, the sky, the water, and all living things, along with the pollutions that man has created. Then in episode five, we discussed some very specific interventions. We covered the balance of energy fields and therapeutics, the rife and laser frequencies, homeopathy, the essences, the physical essences that we experience, and concluded with other aspects of energy medicine. And today in episode six, we shall conclude this series discussing somatic resonance and testing. We hope this is going to bring it all together for you and give you some very specific understandings of how the way that we treat people in our clinic allows us to get those such great results as we said, celebrate. So, <laughs> so I love how Dr. Coston always states that in our clinic, we're always chasing miracles and sometimes we catch a few. And I love that because it's the essence of what we're driving after. Speaking of essences, it's, it's the concept of what we are striving to achieve with the patients, the people, the clients that we have in our clinic. And that's where, as Dr. Coston said last time, we are always digging and always searching. We're always asking the right questions. <laughs> So today, I'm going to discuss light and water resonances. Then Dr. Kaisen will discuss the biophotons and the crystal matrix communication. Dr. Caleb will discuss a, a very unique aspect of cytopathogenic mirrors. I like that one. Dr. Craig will also cover hand modes and the, jap, the gaps concept. <laughs> <laughs> ne never <Oops>. forget. <laughs> the gaps concept, as well as the sentencing resonances. And then Dr. Luke will bring it all home for us by discussing the frequency test kits and how we do somatic resonant testing in our clinic. So now I'm going to briefly discuss the light structure and its resonance. And to do so, I want us to go back to the beginning. Wait a minute, did I just cover the recap? Oh, I mean, all the way back to the real beginning. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis 1, 3 through 5, it states, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
and the evening and the morning were the first day. I find it very interesting that light was the first thing created and it was separated from the darkness, which in my brain tells me there's two specific components of that that we ought to check into, but we'll leave that for another time. And it's in this light frequency that allows life or helps us to emanate life via a frequency pattern or a resonance of different frequencies. So light has waves of energy that reflect the different properties or what in whatever it touches. And, and Dr. Caleb talked a little bit about this on our last episode is the different wavelengths of light. So think about this. When a light goes into a diamond or crystal, what do you see? We see some very specific colors that are actually in light. They're not in the crystal. They're in the light. The crystal or the diamond just reflects it. In fact, light carries all of the potential colors that we can see reflected off of a very specific item. So think about the rainbow. How do we get a rainbow in the sky through the light? How about the Aurea Borealis, also known as the Northern Lights? How do we get all those different types of frequencies up in the atmosphere by light coming into this earth? Here it's evidence that many that light has many different frequencies that we normally do not see, whereas darkness is the absence of light. Yet even in that darkness, there are many different frequencies or resonations that we cannot see and do not fully understand as of yet. So what do we mean when we discuss the meaning of light resonance? Resonance in light waves results in the absorption of the light frequency. So when no one, when no one, res, when no resonation is present, excuse me, when no resonance is present, then the light is transmitted through the object. So as we think about this frequency of light, and I want you to think of like the beach, right, and the water, and certain certain waters, it appears to be translucent, right? You can see through the water. It's the light that's going through the water because the water has a little, resist, little resistance, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Also think about x-rays, MRIs, and CT scans. These are things that can make a vibrational change in light to reveal something that's not seen. So does light have a resonant frequency? Electromagnetic waves, light ray, light radio waves, x-rays, all those things that vibrate, they do make that happen to us, right? Mm -hmm. So then why is light resonance so important? Resonance is experienced and even identified as a process being responsible for the forms of what we perceive, observe, and infer, infer, how do you say that word? Infer. Infer. (laughs) How you infer what's based upon like an atom, a flower, plants, galaxies, whatever. It binds together the different elements that make up physical reality and allows interaction between them. Just kind of cool. Anybody else got anything else they want to add on light? I think it's kind of interesting when you went back to Genesis because God created the light before he created the stars and this uh, created the stars and the moon and anything else that produces light that we think of. And so he used that as the building block. So when we go back down to the very essence of everything that's built, it comes to gravitation and light. And, and the other aspect about that is in that created component, it's just the right distance for the right wavelength, all these different factors for life to even exist within light, mm-hmm. right? And we've also talked previously on air and water as been the other uh, components that are for life. But without light, we age quicker, you know, death comes in faster, things start breaking down, necrosis starts breaking down. And so light gives us life. Think about how many times we just want to go out into the world and get light on our body. Now, think about what sunlight does. We always talk about that being the, the vitamin D uh, aspect of that. But that can burn you, right? It can dynamically change you. It can cause cancers, right? 
So light is a very critical aspect we need to understand. Even though we don't, quote, feel it, as I also ask as people, I go, does light have a sound? Kind of weird, but yes, it does. If you tune in to the frequency of light penetrating through something, you actually hear the sound of light traveling through that, that essence or that object, whatever it is. So it's just kind of interesting. It's a potent thing, and as Dr. Caleb also talked about on the, on the lasers last time, is that that is a light. And so if we can refract the light or change light or uh, reduce the impact of the light or increase it, the impact of the light, it's a very powerful thing. Is that so, kind of like the question, can you smell the color nine? Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> love number nine. Oh, love pushing number nine. It's like nine. black licorice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Versus other colors here, right? Yeah. Other flavors. So then what about water? We all know that water is made up of two hydrogens, one oxygen, or as we always say, H2O. But did you know that water has a crystalline matrix that composes many different aspects of what makes water either alive or dead? And we've talked a little bit about uh, water in a, a previous series <clears throat> or topic, but here I want to go into and talk about that matrix because it's pretty important. So the matrix that is in solid water has a hexagonal lattice structure that's a characteristic of crystals. Now, we know a crystal is supposedly a solid-formed item, but sometimes it's referred to then as the crystalline lattice. So think of cellulite. Now, for those of us in healthcare who understand cellulite, are these little pockets of cells that things are crushed into or smashed into, mainly fat, right? And so we get this lattice structure. People that squeeze their thigh and they see that cellulite look, that matrix, if you will, that lattice effect, that's exactly what's happening in water. <laughs> so this crystalline lattice is made up of different constituents of atoms, molecules, or ions that are arranged in an orderly, repeating pattern that extends into all three special dimensions. So when water freezes, the water molecules form a different type of crystalline structure that is then maintained by the hydrogen bond, right? Solid water or ice is less dense than liquid water. Ice is, that's why ice floats, right? Because it's less dense. Mm -hmm. So ice is less dense than water because the orientation of the hydrogen bonds actually causes the molecules to push further apart, which lowers the density. That's also why we know when we freeze certain substances, we get a more potent or less potent effect from that substance, right? So water can form a vast number of topographical frameworks owing to its hydrogen bonding ability. With so far, we have 19 different forms of ice ex that's experimentally con confirmed or present. And even as kids, we learned about snowflakes, right? How water that's turned into snowflakes has this crystalline different effect, has a star effect or a hexagonal effect in that. And then what is it? There's no snowflake is, is ever the same. They're all individually unique. So you think about that and all these different things that are in there. We know that when we pass that light through the ice, we see the mixture of both the low and high density domains that are more or less prone to that alignment. And that's what's critical because at that point, we know that the water molecule can hold something either dangerous, toxin or poison, or something very healthy and beneficial to life, right? So on the other way to say that, so when we continually... Uh, when we continue with healthy substrates, these cells uh, in, inside the water, they either contain health or life, right? Either health or toxins. So if you ask about filtration, I would tell you that, yes, it's very critical to remove the toxins, yet we also want to re-energize that water to cure life as well. And again, we have talked about that in a previous session. And so with that, let's turn this over to Dr. Kais, and he explains it for the detail of the biophotons bio and the crystal matrix communication. So Dr. K. Thank you, Dr. Bowers. 
So as Dr. Barry was talking about uh, light or photonic energy, I want to introduce you to something called <clears throat> biophotons or biophotonic energy. These are chemical reactions. And so when we see, when we look at chemical reactions, you guys all remember this from your basic chemistry that we have endothermic or exothermic reactions. Endothermic brings heat and light into it and it gets cooler around it or less heat. And then you have exothermic. So an exothermic reaction produces heat and light. And this is what the sun does. The sun is really just kind of a uh, continuous exothermic reactor. And you can probably tell because it's hot out there right now. <laughs> so <clears throat> biophotons are light energy released through biological chemical reactions from all living things. So everything that's living produces biophotons and they produce billions of them daily. So the typical observed radiant emittance of biological tissue in a visible or ultraviolet frequencies range from 10 to 17 and from 10 to 23 watts per centimeter squared. With a photon count of, of nearly a few to nearly thousands of photons per centimeter squared in the range of 200 nanometer wavelength to 800 nanometer wavelength. So we are constantly producing light. Now, can we pick it up with our eyes? Not usually. Some people are prone to pick up different frequencies and see auras around people. And I have not been gifted with that, but uh, I used to think it was kind of hokey to hear about that, but I've seen things, I've been there, I've done that. And I go, well, you know what? I bet you there are certain people that have that ability to understand or see or their body's interpreting what it's uh, picking up energy-wise and to seeing these auras and how you vibrate or how your frequency is kind of depends on what frequency of light you're putting out. So one of my recent patients, she's an eight, nine-year-old girl can do that. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's the weirdest. It, it's the most interesting thing to be around. Yeah. It's it's amazing how so many people are so different and have so many different gifts. So. What was also cool about it, I actually had her draw something, and she drew the different colors in different patterns. Wow. Like, she drew green. It was just kind of like these straight lines. Uh, blue was just kind of like the string wire all over the place. And then orange was like this geometric patterns. It was hmm. really Unique. interesting. How she was able to interpret that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So my first real experience with it was uh, I had a doctorate school that, you know, very science-based, very, you know, really respected. And I walked in one day and he pulled me over after class. He said, hey, uh, what's going on with you? I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, your aura is really black today. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know how to take it. And I kind of just blew him off and I was like, uh, okay, thanks. Well, <clears throat> at that time, we just found out the day before that. My aunt, Dr. Bauer's wife, had passed right. on. And so that was kind of a, she was always kind of like a second mom to me. So that was kind of a, something I was going through. And that, that struck with me for a while. And I went back and I talked to him. He's also one who taught a lot of her acupuncture and things like that. He was a really well known doctor and really highly respected Dr. Beam. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I asked him a lot of questions, but I never really delved into a lot deeper because part was I didn't have the understanding. A lot of stuff that we're going with today, it didn't resonate with me at the time but i always stuck with me because it just took me off guard there so much but i want to talk about uh, fritz albert pop he was a german biophysics researcher so his research has determined that all living tissues whether the body's tissues or microbes are made up of unique molecular crystalline structures so going back to the crystal matrix and these things that we're dealing oops that we're dealing with here um <clears throat> he says these living things have a pliable crystalline structure that can create transmit and receive laser-like 
biophotons. So special electro electromagnetic properties of connective tissue that have held that have led to speculation that this is a highly structured tissue similar to collective properties related to photon emission dynamics. So special photon emission properties that have been confirmed using collagen gels and collagen fibrils isolated from a rat's tail. And it was concluded that these collagen structures both conduct, modify photons, photonic pulses coming from biologic sources. So not only does it absorb it, not only does it project it, but it can modulate it and change it in such a way that it changes what's coming out. It changes the message. It changes the signal. Since the macrostructure of collagen fibrils, fibers, sorry, but not the cells or the organelles constitutes the transparency in, of the collagenous tissues. It was a special interest to study the light transparency and the artificially prepared collagen gels. And this, in particular, this phenomenon of what we call UPE or ultra-weak photon emission. A preliminary study of collagen rat gel transparency for enzyme-dependent ultra-weak photon emission produced by the xanthine oxidase and xanthine enzyme system in combination with the enhancer methylated cipridina luciferin analog demonstrated that collagen gels increase photon emission, suggesting that the collagen fibril and the connective tissue macrostructure plays a role in what they say is light piping within the connective tissues. It has the ability to project or transmit light throughout the body. So Dr. Carson, think about that. When we talk about these these type of gels and, and this material, which I'm, you're probably going to go into that, but it's the basic structure of our bodies, mm -hmm. of all living things. And so it's easy for these things, these signals, if you will, we've always talked about different meridians and different pathways and different stuff, but it allows all these frequencies, these biophotons to communicate in ways we don't even understand. And yet we all sense it in different times, you know, whether it's people or as we've talked about in yeah. previous episodes, you know, people or flowers, whatever they are. It's like it has, it, it communicates to us and we either feel better or feel worse or feel peaceful or agitated. And I just found that interesting what you're going through and you're talking mm -hmm. about that. That's our structure makeup. You know, we talk about protein structure, but that's a more critical structure. When we talk about, there, there's a concept called the endless web theory and everything in our body is wrapped in collagen. All of our muscle fibrils, tendrils, every bone is wrapped in periosteum. And what's, what I find interesting about periosteum is, is we think of it like tissue paper around a stick. But in the body, the shape of the tissue paper determines where the bone grows. If you start to pull the periosteum away, the bone grows underneath it. So wherever the shape of that is, so this highly um, flexible material has a wisdom in it to know yeah, where yeah. it needs to be. Yeah, complex structure, right. To, to allow mm -hmm. it to happen. And so this is why we have bunions, all these other things start to grow and, and hooks on the bones, all these weird bone formations show up is when we have muscle tightness or things that start to have damage or start to pull the, and change the periosteum, the bone starts to become oh. deformed and doesn't look quite right. Mm -hmm. So biophotons, let's talk about this. Biophotons are energy packets of light and they're generated by the tissues of the body. They form the crystalline matrix pathway that connect every aspect of the human being to its internal and external environment. So we're talking about exogenous and endogenous communication in the body. We incorporate, we incorporate a lot of these in our low level laser or cold laser treatments that we talked about earlier with, uh, in the last episode with Dr. Kid Frank. And he was talking about how these low level lights put frequencies into the body. And as we put into the body, 
And we can have a systematic effect in the entire body or we can have a localized effect. When we put it into the body, it has the ability to travel through the entire body through this system and be just highway, it's information highway and be able to have an effect on the entire body where it's needed or where it resonates with and create these cellular changes in the body. So all healing in the body has to be cellular healing. So we have to heal the cells, to heal the tissues, to heal the organs and the organism, which is us. So as we go through and, and look at these things here, it's quite interesting because our goal is always to have a positive cellular change. So how do we turn on information? How do we go through and, and do that to help that? So the information that's emitted from the laser or the frequencies will send it into the cell and the cell can then utilize that, modify it and transfer it back out through the entire body itself. Yeah. So these crystal matrix pathways are like a wired fiber optic network. You can see the light signals coming out the end. So if you guys have ever seen fiber optics or you've ever even seen, they used to make these uh, pieces of artwork where they take the, the, Fiber the fibrils, chains. the hair, and they cut them at different lengths to make it look like a flower. And then it, the light would come off of it and go through different colors and things. So I always found those were very interesting, but that's kind of dropping back to the eighties. I'm <laughs> starting to date <laughs> myself here. So, um, in another life years ago, I worked for a cable company here and part of my job was to help do, um, drafting and, and design this fiber optic loop that went through most of Kansas. And what amazed me back then, and this is uh, 25 years ago. So it was in the late nineties. Uh, they're bringing the high-speed internet. So before that, it was the dial-up. If you remember the annoying noise, you log oh, in, yeah. you go make a sandwich, you come back, you hit the button, you go get a drink, you come back, go get some chip. I mean, before you can get three or four pages. So it was really interesting to me because we got to go out on the site and see how they were putting this in. And they take one glass strand that was about the, the thickness of a hair, and they drop into what they call a node. And from there, it would disperse out on copper wire to 500 homes. Now, think about this. All the information coming through a glass strand went to 500 different homes or businesses, and it could transmit all telephones, all internet, high-speed internet, and cable television. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of information coming through yeah. something that thin. Now, I'm saying glass is nowhere near as good as conducting light as collagen is. Right. Collagen is way better than that. They just can't build it. <laughs> so I, I always, I always think back to how the macroverse of what we live in mirrors what's going on in the microverse and what's going on in our body. So when we think about communication in the world around us, um, if we think of like we're five cells here together that make a tissue, we can communicate and talk to each other through voice or we can call each other. If you're in a business and you have cubicles, you can call each other, you can call downstairs, you can call around the world if you have the right frequency. And we can do that by emitting what we're looking through there. So you know, it's amazed me that, you know, we're 25 years later from where that was and things have come so far and so much more information is being broadcast now, either through the air, through fiber optics. I mean, I think everybody now is getting to the point where they're actually taking a fiber and bring it straight into your house. So you have all of that data coming in now, which blows my mind because I'm like, wow, that's 500 times more information than what we were doing 25 years ago. You have the ability, the speed, the power. It's, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, we back then we were dealing with a megahertz of information, you know, we were looking at 750 megahertz on copper wire to these homes and these trunk lines. And it's just like, now we're looking at hundreds of gigabytes of information per second. And it's like, wow, that's mm -hmm. incredible. And Speed. it's still not as efficient as collagen. As the body, right. So when we, when we were in school, we all went through cellular biology and we got this big circle that had all these different things in it. It looked like a, a bowl of, uh, pho. Yeah. <laughs> things are floating in it. You know, you, the organelles, here's the nucleus, here's the mitochondria and they're all floating in there and you have to label each one for the class and here's what it is. But with the electron microscopes, they don't look like that at all. 
what we find is that you have the cell wall and there are collagen fibrils that come from outside the cell that go all the way down into the cell, have an effect there, and most of them actually go into the DNA structure in the nucleus of the cell. And that is where 90% of all the information comes from is from the DNA and the light that's being transmitted from that. And that goes to neighboring cells. It goes to other cells. It goes to other tissues, it goes to other organs. And so the fact that we can come through and I'm going to use the word hijack the system or be able to come on and, and online and use this to test and to find out what's going on in the body and to figure out what other frequencies or biophotons are being emitted by other types of organisms that are living in the body or microbes. It, it's quite interesting to me. So, um, so again, if we think about how we can go through and use these collagen fibers for communication, and this goes back to, and like I said, I have a wide diverse background in all my different aspects of treating people. I did a lot of sports medicine stuff where we dealt with a lot of scar tissue, a lot of soft tissue work, which is basically taking scar tissue that is a dismembered or disformed collagen that no longer has communication through the area. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, learning in one of my uh, seminars we went to is how you can go through and find a weakness in scar tissue and go back and by using lasers and things, we can go through and deal with scar tissue, which is a big thing. I remember having patients come in that had C-section scars or they had um, uh, their appendixes removed, things like this. And whenever they put pants on or jeans on it and push on that scar, it would activate it and they'd walk funny and they'd struggle and all their muscles would be out of balance. And so we were able to go back and fix some of the scar tissue stuff. They could move again. Their low back pain went away. Things changed dynamically for them. And not only did that have an effect on the physical structure, because anytime you affect the physical structure that it's also going to work its way down into the cellular level of other organs and other things like that, affecting communication through um, meridians, such as traditional Chinese medicine. So there's all these different things we have to look at as far as how these things all come together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. How do we get this communication put back together again. And I even look at that in individuals. When you have an issue or something is damaging in a relationship between people, it's like scar tissues there. You can't communicate anymore. And you have to go through and you have to do some really hard work to kind of clear some of that out mm-hmm. and do that. So again, macroverse mirroring the microverse. And even beyond that, you can look into the solar system. And you can see how these things work on another level too. So we're kind of stuck in the middle. So it's really interesting to see how these biophotons are a we're able to use those to kind of look into the system there a little bit so and going back into the dna and looking how the dna is is working and even going to epigenetics which i think we're going to do an episode on that here coming up pretty soon talking about epigenetics and how the dna the dna works or the genome i about said genome <laughs> <laughs> and and see how these things are changing the emission of light frequency in our body and I don't know if we've really looked at it that way so much, but that's mm-hmm. going to be something that we're really going to kind of go, okay, how do we change how our, our DNA is uh, expressing itself, which changes the communication, everything through the body. So that's called epigenetics. That's environment. Yeah, effect, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so how we deal with that, but thinking about it from a biophotonic yeah, that's a great way. Point. So, I mean, this is all part of that. So if that's the case, how do we use biophotons to go through and change the epigenetics? And I think we're finding some really cool, new stuff that we're working on with that that's allowing us to not only go, okay, here's where there's a system that may be expressed or suppressed, and we can go back and look at that and saying, how do we come through and deal with that from a biophotonic way or an energetic or a informational way of trying to give the body what it needs? Uh, um, when, when I think back, it, it's whenever we bring 
um, a intervention or a remedy or some sort of uh, energy-based medicine into the mix here. It's basically like doing a patch on your software. In episode one, I told you to remember, as we go through this series, to think of this as software. Okay, this is how your body communicates, how it runs. This is what we're working on. We don't quite work on a uh, zeros and ones, but it's a much more complex nature. And I think this is something that's really going to be the the future of medicine and where it's going. And we're just mm-hmm. starting to get a feel for it. I think we're dabbling into it and really finding some really cool things. Although the science may not have the techniques or the um, technology yet to be able to really help us determine that. Proven ones, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're proving it now. Yeah. I mean, it, it is something that's really coming about. And and it's just it's just amazing to, to see where this is going in healthcare and, and how this changes. So um, as we have electricity and we have energy flowing through us, these biophotons, this creates a magnetic field, which means that we are electromagnetic beings. This is why we can be affected by electromagnetic waves or pollution from that. So from your phone, from your Wi-Fi, from your meter box in your house. I mean, all these things can put off waves that can affect you and change you. And I think in the last 100 years, as this has become more prominent, we're dealing more of this, even as 5G is coming on, there's so much that's going that's going to affect us and affect our cells and tissues and how it communicates. And I think that's where things start going awry. So we are electromagnetic beings, and that explains my animal magnetism. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke, guys. Come on. Is it mesmerizing? <laughs> yeah, it's that good. Is mesmerizing. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right. And I'm next. Caleb, Dr. Caleb Frank's next. So I'll let so, him come and take over. I think it's really interesting how we're, you're winning a lot on uh, communication in the body. And, you know, we talked a couple episodes on the senses, and Dr. Ben shared a lot of great information on chemoreceptors, which are chemical or parts of chemical signaling. And it's basically a receptor based cellular interaction. And again, that's just one example of chemical signaling that occurs in the body. Um, chemical signaling can consist of cell-to-cell interactions, cell-to-matrix interactions, um, molecular mechanisms of cellular responses to cytokine and chemotactic factors, immune receptor-based signaling, and much more. And what's interesting is if you look at the research and the literature that's trending right now or that's most common right now is most of it is based on chemical signaling. And there are many aspects out there that say it's not only the main signaling, it's the only signaling that really occurs. And I think it's interesting how just looking through the, the different aspects of the, the cellular matrix and how, you know, the photons and the information is transmitted through that. Um, it, it's more of, you know, maybe we aren't asking the right questions in our research and our studies, or again, we don't have the right technologies for that. But back in the sixties, all the way through the eighties, there was actually a Russian scientist named Kaznachev or Kaznachev and his group who worked to actually figure out some of this stuff. If there was other forms of communication or other ways that the cells can interact with each other aside from the chemical aspect. So they did a bunch of experiments using various animal and human embryonic tissues to create identical cultures. So in one culture, they would call it the 
inducer, they uh, would treat that culture with some type of damaging agent, such as adenovirus, coxaxivirus, mercuric chloride, or UV radiation. The other culture, they would call it the detector culture, and that was not treated with anything. Now, they used a specially designed device to perform their experiments consisting of two flasks, which were connected by a window of either quartz glass or UV opaque glass plate. So basically, the only interaction between these two cultures was whatever light was able to pass through the window. So again, the whole purpose of this um, experiment was to see if there are other ways that bioinformation can be transmitted between these cells. So they observed that the detector or the non-treated cultures actually started showing similar changes or damage to the cells as the inducer or the treated cultures. So the observations of this research show that it is possible to have distant, non-chemical, intercellular interactions, and this is what became known as the cytopathic mirror effect. So they actually continued this research for many years, and they noticed that the degree of changes to detector cultures in comparison with the inducer cultures depended significantly on what type of damaging agent was used. But they also noticed over the two-decade span of doing this that other af aspects such as the heliogeomagnetic situation, you know, solar activity, geomagnetic disturbances, geographic location, seasons, you know, what's going on with the weather. There are so many different things that could actually affect the how pronounced the mirroring effect was. So in different years or even months, the cell interactions could be pronounced to different extents. So what I think is really interesting is this kind of like what you were talking about with the extracellular matrix and the communication between that, the biophotons, is, you know, there are more ways that the body operates than we can understand and probably will ever understand. But the more and more we actually get the right technologies or get the right questions in there and are able to get therefore the right answers, I think we're going to see more and more aspects on how the cells actually communicate because the only thing that was interacting between those cells was light. And we talked about how light, you know, carries frequencies. It carries information in the body through the collagen, through the matrices. And, you know, it's, it's really a interesting aspect to consider and how we experience life, how we experience our day to day, you know, especially when uh, Dr. Craig goes into this next topic, we're going to talk about how we use a different form of distant communication in our daily practice and how we treat or take care of our patients. But what are some other things that might happen? You know, could distant cellular communication be one of the primary mechanisms of intuition, like we talked about, you know, a couple episodes ago? What about if they're affected by seasonal disturbances or weather disturbances? Can seasonal seasonal illnesses actually be transmitted in this way? Or is this a part of why we maybe sympathetically take on other people's symptoms, take on their, you know, expressions of someone who is sick or who's, um, you know, has is maybe depressed or, you know, dealing with all these other energetic or emotional aspects? And so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of see what this might kind of prompt in you guys, if there's any other ways or any things go maybe going, hmm, I wonder if this plays a part in that. So what are some of your guys' thoughts as far as 
this distant cellular communication. I always think of it like a uh, satellite. Either, I mean, you're either receiving information or you're projecting information back and forth. Even though you're disconnected by time and space, you can still go through and, and do that. So even when our patients come in and we're in the same room with them, we're having an effect because we're able to transmit and receive information from them. And it's interesting how that works. And going back into thinking about this as the subtle energies that are really hard to to measure, I mean, we're starting to get to the point where we can start doing that and seeing mm-hmm. that now. And then you even get into another type of energy. We talk about the spiritual side of it there, which is completely different as well. And how do you test it? How do you measure that? Mm-hmm. And these are things that we can see the outcome and the effect from doing experience experiments, but we don't necessarily understand the mechanism, understand the mechanism to yep. be able to go back and say, okay, scientifically, we can prove this. Mm-hmm. Even though we did this and we got this result, we can't go back and verifiably say, this is how it was done. You can't replicate it once it's already been done. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So another thing that interested me is like twins. They've studied twins from around, you know, around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the essence of, uh, you'll have twins that live in different cities, even different states, and one can have a thought or a feeling, and the other one has the same thought or feeling almost momentarily at the same time. Mm-hmm. We've all heard different stories about, you know, people that, you know, a mother knew when a child was injured or hurt or sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's in tune to those frequencies, but we're able to watch that. And what I find interesting is in, like, in my family, both the Franks, their mother is a twin, right? We have two sets of twins. Uh, my son has a set of twins. And so they're one of my sisters. There's a lot of twins. And it's interesting just to watch the dynamics that occur mm-hmm. that we don't even understand. We think it's genetically or some other form of genetic, as, as Dr. Uh, Kaiser was talking about on those matrixes, how they could communicate things that we can't understand. But we've all had mm-hmm. some experience of understanding non-communication communication, <laughs> you know, whatever mm-hmm. that level is. Yeah. Well, yep. Obviously, it's going to be really interesting to see how our understanding of this type of communication develops in the future. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Dr. Craig, who, again, is going to share with us how we use a different form of communication regularly in our clinic. Thanks, Dr. Caleb. So to me, so far, we've kind of talked about the subconscious, unconscious communication. What I'm going to kind of transition into is, okay, what do we do with it? You, Kyson, you kind of talked about this or mentioned this a little bit towards the end of uh, the, our session last time. When I think of traditional medicine, medicine is used to what you can, the five senses. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I taste? What can I touch? And if it doesn't exist within there, then it doesn't exist. And what we've talked about so far on this session is there's communication that occurs way beyond those five senses. And so when we talk about the testing we do, it's not that we're discounting or eliminating or getting rid of what we do in those five senses. We're expanding upon it. How do we access this information that occurs uh, in a way that we can't get at with our five senses? So as we talk about this adjunctive type of testing, especially here in America, especially in the modern times, you got to start with Dr. George Goodhart. Dr. George Goodhart was a chiropractor that graduated in 1939 worked with his dad in Michigan for many years. And in 1964, he developed a concept he called applied kinesiology. And this he developed this after observations he made regarding muscle function and health. From that point, he also started to share it with several other chiropractors. And over time, it has been modified and changed. And we see this in our office too. 
we all kind of have a similar core function, but we all have our unique bent, our unique way of going, well, how do I take this and use this in a way that fits me and, and what I know to do and understand? And so over time, I think we talked about there's what, 79 different forms of kinesiology. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I was doing some research a little bit ago, and I was looking at the top um, different techniques that were taught in chiropractic schools around the country, and uh, the top 15, applied kinesiology was number eight. Right. Well, what's interesting is there's over 79 different types known, and there's over 2 million different practitioners in the world right now that are doing kinesiology of some sort. Right. And it changes the very so much that if you add them all together, it could be in the top three techniques probably that are being used oh, yeah. to find answers because people are frustrated with not getting results in typical aspects. Even going back, I think Hahnemann is a like-minded person because right. he's like, this isn't working. There's problems with this. How do we go find a better way? And then the the, the spiritual aspect of that, I, I feel like we're all following the same path here. We're going, we want results. Right. Mm-hmm. Why isn't this working? It worked for one person, doesn't work for the other. Right. Why isn't that work? And so as I look at that, I go, well, even as our patients are different, we're all different as doctors too with our own different mm-hmm. experience and everything else. And, and I find that the way we test the things we do, it changes and gets better and gets honed and refined the more we do it, kind of like exercise. Right. But it also happens the more you educate yourself, the more you learn, the more you put into your brain or even into your subconscious level, it affects that too. So right. as we go through it and we develop, we get better and better as as healers, you know, and as doctors. So I always jokingly say on the way to become a healer, I became a doctor too. So, <laughs> you know, which healing is much more important to me than just having a degree that says I'm a doctor, you know, right. and the education. Mm-hmm. Great. I want to heal people. I want to change lives for the better. And so I prefer to think of myself more of a healer than a doctor, but it's interesting and not to steal your thunder here, but going through and looking at this, I really got my first experience with kinesiology aspects from a medical doctor. Right. That's what you I know, was going to touch yeah. on is it's not just chiropractors. Yeah. It's, it's dentists, it's uh, medical doctors, it's, you know, naturopaths. It's, this yeah. is wide range. It's, yeah. It's not dentist. Just, it's it. huge in the dental field. I mean, right. there's so many dentists that go through and do a lot of this work. And so uh, it surprised me the first time I heard that. I was like, wow, this is, there's so much more to it than I was even realized. So, I mean, I, I've heard of it, you know, I didn't really have much of it. You know, right. I kind of made fun of some of my friends that were doing some of this stuff, you know, and I've eaten a lot of crow, um, <laughs> go, go feet first. It's easier to get down. Um, <laughs> So the the aspect of learning this and have somebody sit down with me, you know, that could explain it. And Dr. Kelly Halderman, who did our uh, our one of our videos earlier, she was the one that we really had a good conversation. We really talked about and discussed the aspects of it in a way that it, it resonated with me more. Going, okay, this is interesting. She's one of the ones that said, "Hey, you know, you, you probably need to go look into a few of these things here." And it changed my life. And I said, "Okay, I got to learn more about this." So it, it's it's fascinating that you know. Even though I talked about chiropractic colleges, it's much more diverse than that. And Absolutely. 2 million practitioners around the world, you think about how many healers or doctors are around the world, mm-hmm. that's a big chunk of them, right. are all mm-hmm. practicing a form of this to be able, and these are the recognized forms, 79, and there's they asked me, there's probably hundreds more, like right. even ours is a bent and a twist off of yeah. something else that we've kind of found. And even off of right. what I started using, you guys have kind of twisted and bent it and kind of, yeah. I hope you haven't broke it, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. we continue to try to modify it to say, okay, how can we be more efficient in our testing? Because there's a lot of uh, ways you go through the testing, even in applied kinesis, some of these other ways that it's a very complicated method of going through and figuring it out. 
we're trying to get in, have patients come in and go through and figure this information out way quicker and way faster. And we can do in minutes what it takes other people to do in an hour. So we'd be more efficient in our approach, figure things out and get results quicker because there's so many people out there we need to help. Right. And we only have so many hours in the day. Right. And so as we're getting busier and busier, it's like, well, we need to be more efficient. We need to be able to still provide a high quality of care and do everything we need to do. But how do we get the answers quicker and to be able to go through and get these answers to be able to get the solutions to these health issues? Right. Well, one of the things that to me, the purpose of why we're doing this whole series to begin with is it's easy for people to kind of dismiss it as that's hokey. It's, it's new age. It's, no, this is scientifically based. And the other big thing I, I'd like to drive home to is if the other approach worked, this wouldn't even exist. Exactly. So what we're looking for is to expand upon what does work and find how to get, you know, as you always say, stronger, better, faster results. So one of the um, modifications or expansions upon the kinesiology actually occurred here in Wichita. It's uh, what's called CPK or chiropolis kinesiology. A uh, very well-known doctor here in town, Dr. Milton Dowdy, is kind of one of the founding fathers of that, along with many other chiropractors here in town. And and I'm just going to touch on that just a little bit because there's a couple of those components that we really tie into what we do just to kind of explain it. Because like we jokingly say, we don't just throw gang signs. There is a purpose for what we're doing. <laughs> but there's a couple of concepts I want to tie in here. First is what we call GAPS. Not JAPS, GAPS. Yes, correct. <laughs> GAPS actually stands for global access point. So when I talk about GAPS, I like to use the concept of a computer network system. You have hubs and then you have network stations. And we can ask questions from one of two different places. We can just ask at the local network station and go, okay, what's going on around this area here? Or we can actually access the hub, which says what's going on in the entire system. And so there's about four or five different global access points. You have the back of the head, top of the head, chest, and the solar plexus region. And interesting, usually this is where we have a confluence or, or uh, you know, a, a plexus of neurologic information coming in as well. So it's, again, it's the same type of concept as chakras. Chakras tend to be associated with different glands as well. It's like, mm-hmm. this isn't just new age or hokey. This is, there's a purpose for what we're doing, what we're doing. So the other thing is the concept of hand modes. So in our office, you'll see us do different hand positions. Now, to me, the the original concept of hand modes is if you hold your hand in a certain position, it creates a certain frequency or resonance that then we're looking for, where does that match within the body? A certain hand position uh, matches the frequency of bacteria. A certain hand position matches the frequency of a certain organ. All those different type of concepts. One of the simple concepts is what they call what's been called scope. You have structure, you have chemistry, you have organs, you have uh, psychology, and you have energy. So we use the hand to create different hand positions for specific hand frequencies. Now, my own personal thought is, even beyond that, it's a way to engage the conscious mind to have an organization of this information that's coming into us. Mm-hmm. How do we start to take that intuitive knowledge and put it in a structured systematic approach. And I think that's kind of the whole concept here is how do we start creating a system that we can get um, consistent or repeated results or or answers. So that's kind of my concept is, so as you see this, we're we're creating specific questions. The other thing you'll see us do is either with some type of membrane or by hand, or there's so many different methods of basically trying to get a, uh, 
an intuitive answer from the body that when you hit the right position, there is a change in the actual um, friction of the skin that then creates a tension or a friction that then goes, yep, that's, that's what I'm hitting on. Now, the last concept I really want to touch in, though, is something you've hammered home with me that I think is really, really, really important, and that's sentencing. What are you actually asking? We can go, okay, do you have bacteria? Okay, so what? Is that a priority? Is it important? It, what is the question you're actually asking the person? What communication are we actually trying to get at? And that's really important in how we ask the question because the challenge sometimes too is there are only so many different hand positions that can ask so many questions. And what if the question doesn't fit within that hand mm -hmm. position? That's something you're actually just intuitively asking, which means your brain is creating a energy frequency that we're looking at does it match within the other person's body. So if you ask like the question, like you said, bacteria, well, the body may have an issue with a bacterial misalignment or something's not right there in the balancing of it. Is that a bad bacteria or is that a probiotic that you need more of? Exactly. I mean, so we have to be very specific in there. And and the, the cool thing about the, the hand modes, I like to call them, I like to call them trailheads. Right. They're big global questions. Is there a disruption in the bacteria? Good or bad. Okay, I need to go down that trail right. and dig into it. And that's why we have test kits and everything else, which Dr. Luke's going to go into in a little bit. And I'll let him dive into that a little bit more. But we can be very specific down to right. certain frequencies because every living thing has a frequency and it's a different frequency right. on the species. So we can go back and actually look at that and say, okay, what is it specifically that we're doing? And then what is the specific frequency of the remedy we need to address that? Yeah. So I very think that's, specific no, that's, to the piano tuning again, yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. So which string are you on? And then how far in or down the string do you have to go right. till you hit the right resonating component for it's back into balance? Going with that concept, just like thinking that we're all different instruments. Right. And yeah. so just because you can tune a piano to that note. Can't tune a trumpet that way. You, you, you can't tune a trumpet or you can't tune a guitar the same way. And so even though we get that that is on a different frequency, we can test that. Different people may need a different remedy for that. Somebody right. may need something to help boost the immune system. Right. Some people may need more probiotics. Other people right. may need something to fight the bacteria. Mm -hmm. right. And or even though they have the same thing. infection that's keep preventing the body from yeah. taking care of that one on its right. own. Yeah. It gets, right. Healthcare is so complex. And there's so many layers and, and variabilities that what this type of testing and how we can do it is we can really kind of narrow it down to the priorities we like to call it. I have people come in, they'll have like 10 or 15 different things that are going on in the body. But if I deal with the priorities like number one, number two, number three, which may be a parasite, maybe Lyme disease, or they have mold in their house, and we start dealing with those things, it takes the pressure off the body and then allows the body to start addressing all the other things that are out of mm -hmm. function there. So our goal is to narrow it down into priority to figure out what are the things that we need to address to help the body. And then the body goes, no, I got the rest. Thanks anyway. That's all I need help with. Because mm -hmm. well, sometimes if you overwhelm the body, you can cause some more problems. Well, here, you need all this too. And the body's like, whoa, I got to do something with this. Right. It's in the body. I have to do something with it. Either I have to clear it out. I have to process. I have to do right. something with it, which takes energy, which means we may be taxing the body more. Right. So, right. Well, and that's okay. And you've already referenced this to a degree too, is you come in. If we just use our conscious mind, you go, well, you have this symptom. We need to do this reaction. And we've talked about many, many times. That may not be the body's priority. The body may say, if you mess with that, I can't deal with something else over here. And so what we really do, and that's where this testing really comes into play too, is we let the body tell us what's the most important thing. Right. We're not going and saying, we know what's best. We're really seeking to listen to the wisdom and intuition that's been put within the body <clears throat> to tell us what's the, the, the best way to approach. Because the other thing too is we are layers and layers and layers and layers of adaption. 
what you're dealing with at this level may not be the root problem, but it's what's got to be addressed before we can even get to the root problem. Mm -hmm. And that's really ultimately what we're seeking to do is how do you get down to that very specific cause that's really setting this process in motion? Uh, we have patients that come in and you guys have all had them too, and they're bringing the laundry baskets full of all their <laughs> prescriptions and yeah. minerals and whatever else they've been given from all these different companies and different doctors. And they go, what do I do with this? And you go through and you say, well, these ones are toxic to you. These ones are allergenic to you. These ones you don't do anything for you. And these ones you actually need more of. Right. And, and it's interesting because people are taking everything and they're overwhelming the body with it. So they'll go to a doctor and he goes, oh, you have all this stuff. And they'll give them 20 or 30 different, uh, different. Uh, it doesn't have to be prescriptions. It can be medicines, vitamins, all these things here and overwhelm the system and create more issues. And so what I like to do, and, and even, so we do not prescribe her drugs or anything else. I can't take people off of any of that, put that disclaimer out there, but I've had people come in and their doctors have them on a drug that they know they need and it's toxic to them mm -hmm. and it's affecting them and it's making them worse. What do you do? Mm -hmm. So what I found is I actually help medical doctors get better results by figuring out where the body's having a dysfunction and be able to clear that up for now the patient can actually use that medicine appropriately to have the change in the body without the side effects that they're dealing with. Because th they said, well, you have this infection, you need this, or you have this problem, you need this drug. Well, they put it in there and the body can't process it. It's a liver issue. It's a chemical pathway that's blocked. Something's having an issue with it. Well, how do I help the body go through that and fix that so that they can actually take that and use that effectively? So, and then we get to the point where they don't test at all. I said, you need to go have a, a conversation with your prescribing doctor. He can run his test to verify the metrics. So, okay. Yeah. You don't need it anymore. Let's, let's try it out and let's see if we can get you off of that. Cause that's the goal is to get people off of the drugs they don't need. I don't even like to keep patients on a lot of remedies and everything or anything else that we put on there any longer than necessary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll get to the point where we say, all right, let's back off that for months, see how we do. If we need a little bit more of it, we can come back to it. But it's trying to be as efficient as possible with the fewest amount of things that are easy to take to get the biggest results. Yeah, yeah I still have my patients. My goal is to have you on nothing. We're constantly trying to work ourselves right. out of a job. Exactly. <laughs> the whole aspect of building a practice is to go out and get dynamic results for the people so they go tell everyone about it. Right. And then you mm -hmm. continue to do that over and over and over again. That's almost what I expect as a doctor when patients come in. So if you didn't know this, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to get you better. I'm going to work like a dog. I'm going to seek out every way I can. And I expect you to go tell other people because I'm here to help people. And sure. I need you to go let people know. The results that we're getting, right? That speak for themselves. One last thing that to me, I think this still ties back to is we're so used to operating from our conscious mind and we've over time, I think, neglected the intuition that God's put within us. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not that you ignore the conscious mind, it's you taking both of those into account. How do we use both of those together to get to people the best results that we can get them? So with that in mind, I'm going to let Dr. Luke finish up, tell how we get really, really specific and tie this all up in a nice pretty bow. Thanks, Dr. Craig. So when planning out these episodes prior to recording and filming, we kind of divvy out who gets what topic and whatnot, and then we go forth and conquer. And I really think that it came together nicely in the end, tying together all these concepts of kind of these seemingly unrelated topics and then tying it up really nicely here as to how we go about applying this in the office. And for me, especially this topic ties in nicely with my last episode um, where I talked about, again, you know, as Dr. Ben and Dr. Keisner already alluded to the tuning of the piano and whatnot. Um, that's how we identify the break in the energy system of the body. Um, so how we do that in the office is utilizing these hand modes and, and the scanning. Um, it functions as what we would call adjunctive testing 
So your diagnostic testing, your things like lab work and those types of things, which we still do and, and we still apply. Um, but how we go about finding this energy side of things, we have um, hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, of what we call test kits in our office. And within those test kits, we have these little tiny vials. And within those vials, we have these frequencies of various different things. So for the purpose and intent of this podcast and prior episodes and series that we've done, good example, uh, a good example of the test kits we have are things like um, a Lyme disease test kit or a Lyme co-infection test kit, parasite test kits and mold test kits. And using our energetic scanning, um, which Dr. Kyson has christened SRT, somatic resonance testing, which is again, a branch of CPK. Uh, we can go through and identify, okay, using our hand modes on a patient, we can identify, okay, for instance, there's a parasite hand mode that tests positive. Well, then we would go grab our parasite test kit and identify which specific frequencies of specific types of parasites would that patient be testing to. That's step one. Then we go through and again, not exaggerating <laughs> in our treatment rooms, having hundreds, if not thousands of different remedies um, what do we need to do to negate or cancel out that positive frequency of parasite of Lyme, whatever. And, and this is really how we go about it. And you continue to do that. Or you, like Dr. Kyson said, as a two-year-old, you continue to ask why until you can't anymore. So once again, just to kind of summarize this up, we're going through and doing an energetic workup on a patient. We identify it for this example, parasite hand mode. We go to our parasite test kit. We identify what specific frequency uh, of different types of parasite they test to. Uh, and you can also go through and scan the body where that's picking up. So big common one for parasites is testing over the GI area, sometimes over the liver and in tougher cases, sometimes over the brain. Now that we have that identified, then we can go through and identify what specific remedy does that patient need to cancel out that frequency so that when we go back through and do our workup again, that test file with the, the remedies being placed in the patient's energy field, that initial positive hit on the parasite and the parasite vial should no longer show up because that's signaling that the body has what it needs to go through and be able to handle this on its own. And we rinse and repeat for every <laughs> every positive hand mode that we find. So again, this isn't in lieu of diagnostic testing. This is adjunctive. And so when you combine these things, you get a really great comprehensive picture of what the patient's dealing with. And another benefit of this, as we've touched on several times throughout this series, is this form of testing, this energy testing, does a really nice job of picking up on things that are really hard to test for on a lab side of things. So... And if you don't know, maybe you do if you're listening to this and you do have kind of these crazy symptoms that you haven't really had answers on, it's really hard to test for Lyme and Lyme co-infections on a lab test. It's really hard to test for parasites. There's timing that goes into it. And you're, and at the end of the day, like Dr. Kyson mentioned earlier, you're only as good as the, you know, the substance that you're testing, whether that's blood, whether that's stool, whether that's saliva, whatever, you're only looking at that specific component. You're not able to actually see what's going on in specific organs or the interstitial fluid or the brain or, or what have you. And so when you can combine the energy testing, especially with the lab side of things, it, it just gives uh, a really complete picture that I think you, you'd be pretty hard pressed to beat. So uh, it's one thing to talk about all this in theory and in a podcast and, and listen to it and to watch us. 
it's another thing entirely to come and experience it in person. So I'll, I'll close by just saying, if you're interested in learning more or you're wanting to see just how this looks in practice, all I can say is come and see. And so with that, you know, we've covered all these various topics. Um, gentlemen, we are at the end. Do you have anything else that you want to bring up? I think what we do as a collective is we're about 95% the same. There's that little 5% difference there. And some of that's from our different educations or different experiences, different patients that we've dealt with. And I, I think that we're all kind of not in it for the ego at all. I mean, we're all really passionate about helping people. And so there are times where we run into an issue where I'm just not finding the answer I need. And that's why I love this team here. Cause I can go over and say, what are you picking up? You come in, you tell me what you're finding completely devoid of that. And if they find something I don't, it's not like, oh, well, my feelings are hurt over that. It's no, help me find the answers because we really do work as a team and we really want to help every person that comes in to the clinic. If we're struggling to find answers, we're going to go get one of the other doctors to come here. We'll say, hey, we've had times where we've said, all hands on deck. Everybody come in here real quick. Let's go through it and see if we find anything else. So you can find a different direction and pick something up because we do care about results. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I think for me, just looking at all the stuff that we've gone through in this series, I think each of us have learned something, picked up more and more things, mm -hmm. you know, that maybe we kind of intuitively knew or have experienced and yet we didn't really understand why we, we embrace the concept instead of rejecting it. And I think once we have embraced it and become receptive to it, we're learning more and yep. we're learning faster than maybe some other people are. And so when you put this collective together and you put that receptive energy together, it's all of a sudden things just start amplifying even faster. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the neatest things as we've gone through and studied and, and prepared for these, these episodes that we're finding a lot of stuff that we kind of knew Maybe not exactly why we knew what we knew, but it's cemented and confirmed and reaffirmed to us. Yeah, we are getting these results because we're doing things differently. And it's not really different. No. You know, it has a long-term history of it. We just, with our collective uh, processes, we're able to draw out more of it from each other and thereby amplify everybody but better. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every healthcare form in the world up to Western medicine, all worried about moving energy through the body. And I think we're taking notice and understanding of what Western medicine has to offer, yet we're leaning back on things that generations and cultures around the world have all known. And we're trying to bring that into a common era and try to use modern technology, modern treatments, modern ways of, of capturing the essence of what these healthcare fields had essences and to be able to kind of create a, a different and dynamic way of, of helping people. I think you are also seeing a shift in mainstream medicine too, because you see more and more supplemental, you know, uh, advertisements on TV and more and more doctors are like, okay, this isn't working. Well, I got to do something different. So mm -hmm. I think over time, we're going to see this more and more shift back to what works. The other thing I like to tell people is you're doing this all the time. You just don't realize it. How many of you have experienced where you meet somebody you've never known and you feel this connection and we even talk about a vibe or you get the opposite, this negative vibe. So you're experiencing this type of intuition all the time. You just don't recognize it, hone it and use it. And that's all this really is, is taking what we already do and just honing it and, and dialing it into something very specific. Back in the 50s and 60s, there was all these advertising and marketing and maybe propaganda about how it's living better through chemistry. Well, with all the chemistry and all the chemicals and toxins stuff that are produced nowadays, I don't know if we really are living better, healthier lives through chemistry. So I, I'm going to jokingly say this. 
we're doing better living through frequency. Yeah. <laughs> good frequencies. Yeah, like good energy. Yeah. Good energy. Yeah. There you go. So one thing I like to actually bring up with a lot of my patients and I think is they really appreciate is the fact that with this testing process, with our ability to scan through, with our ability to, you know, ask the body specifically what it needs is we're giving very personalized and unique care to each person. Cause we see this all the time. We'll have people come in with uh, parasites. Maybe they have tapeworm or they come in with Lyme disease, two different patients with the same thing, but they need completely different things in their remedies. Or there might be some commonalities and say, okay, well, you both need this, but you need this added onto yours, whereas you need this other thing added to get the best results. And going back to also what Dr. Craig was talking about with the hand modes and the sentence structuring and just kind of the categories that we go through in that process is we're not just limiting ourselves to organ systems. We're not just limiting ourselves to chemical aspects, but we're looking at the person's mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual. We're actually able to treat the whole person, which is what excites me the most about this is, you know, there's nothing really that we can't address or can't help or benefit in some way if we have enough time to go through, ask the right questions, do the right testing, right. get the right results, find the right tools if right. we need to, find new tools or create new tools in the process that we need to, to be able to give our patients the unique personalized care that they need to overcome their unique response to a common illness. No stone unturned is kind of the concept. Mm -hmm. In Dr. Farney's room, it's no emotion unturned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of like the concept of what you're talking about, too, is I think traditional healthcare, traditional, tends to see things in a vacuum. It's like you have high cholesterol. Well, within Why? the whole person, what does that mean? Right. And, you know, we're, we're looking at the whole person, not just yeah. do you have Lyme disease or parasites or whatever the condition may be. It's mm. what are you experiencing? What is going on <clears throat> with your being, your system as a whole, not just at, within a vacuum? Yeah, it's interesting since uh, the COVID pandemic, everything's changed, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, healthcare, healthcare education, the way we as patients or people ask questions differently of our healthcare system and what we're taking Everything is pivoted or changing. And healthcare itself is trying to say, how do we analyze future aspects of healthcare based on what we just experienced? I'm, I'm starting to see actual healthcare uh, facilities or educational facilities actually advertise this in a different way that I've never seen before. It's like they're starting to learn how to question what we're doing versus where the world is going. Mm -hmm. How can we prepare our physicians for that future. And I think that's what we already do. Mm -hmm. I was jokingly told Sarah, the doctors in the office, I said, we're, uh, we're creating a survival guide for the 21st century. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we're doing because we see things rapidly approaching. We think, see things evolving at such a fast pace. How can we keep catch up with it or even get ahead of it and to help people? So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty wild. How do we not only survive, but thrive? Right. Exactly. Well, exactly. I remember uh, when I first got into practice and Dr. Bowers was talking to a patient and he goes, I don't care what you have. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he says, I, I care why you got it. And that really is one of the first real questions like, that is important. Why do I think about that every time? You came in with a situation, you have a health problem. I don't care what it is. What went wrong? What yeah. changed? What happened that allowed it? And that resonates back to what I've talked about with my own questions. What happened to me? What went wrong? And I go, okay, that's important. 
It's not what it is. It's why it happened. Why is the body choosing to present the way it is today? Mm-hmm. It might be different tomorrow or yesterday, but today you present with a very unique frequency aspect, and that's what we're trying to identify. Mm-hmm. Like some of my most fond memories in working here are, you know, like you had mentioned, just doing teamwork on on patients where you kind of at your wits end, and all the doctors come in, and not only is a patient unique like we've discussed, but we're all unique in kind of how we see things and how we ask questions. And I didn't mention this earlier, but again. We have hundreds of test kits, <laughs> and so just bringing a stack, and of, yeah, and just bringing a stack of those guys out. I mean, everything from like I talked about infections, but also different tissues, muscle, bone, nerve, brain, heart, and liver toxicities. I mean, the list goes on, and and just tag teaming this at, at such a rapid speed too. And I kind of feel bad for our staff who have to take notes and keep up with all that. But, well, I did mention that I have a big toolbox. And I, yes. I keep adding drawers. So we need yes. more tools. So they come with new kits. They come with new ways of finding stuff. And so it's like, yeah, we need that. We may be missing that on someone and we don't want to miss those things. So we continually try to update our software and who we are. And th- there's so much of, of leaning on doctors who've gone before, who've learned stuff. Oh, you're done with that. I've been down that road. Go check this, this, is this, and see how that works. And you go, okay. And then that gets stored into your memory banks, your subconscious. Uh, the next thing that comes around goes, okay, that's what I need to go to and go look at and see how that works. So there's some nuances to it that we were talking about earlier to what we're doing that a lot of people can do this, but there's nuances that you develop over time and over experience that allow you to be a little more effective, a little bit more efficient in it. But no, I love, I love the fact when we work together as a team, it's, I am so blessed and honored to have these doctors in the clinic and, and just to be able to lean on them or to bounce ideals off of. Cause sometimes that's, that's one of the best things about it is to sit there and go, okay, I'm thinking about this and this and this. What do you think about it? How do you see it? And be able to come up with different ideals and thought process on how to, effectively try to change things or come up with other things. We have so many different things that we've gone out and discovered. A lot of times it's interesting because sometimes people bring stuff in and drop it in our lap and it works really well for people. Mm-hmm. And so we get really good results for it. So we're very thankful for all the people who have participated in our clinic yeah. mm-hmm. and that we've been able to work with and and those that support us and continue to pray for us. That's Amen. that's a big thing. We, we love it. We have so many patients that pray for us for our understanding, our wisdom. I'll have complexes cases come in and I'll tell them, I say, hey, if you're praying people or you have a church group that prays, pray for you, but please pray for me as a doctor so God will grant me the wisdom and the aspect that I need to go through here to efficiently go through and try to find results. And, and that's why we chase miracles. Okay. I uh, I had one uh, patient that it took us quite a while to get results. She was on her deathbed. She was a teenager. She was living IVs, and it took us a year to get her better. And her dad goes, wow, that was a miracle. I go, eh, it took about a year. And boy, I tell you what, he almost slapped me across the face. He said, are you kidding me? That is a miracle. I don't care how long it took. And that was something that, okay, I need to start thinking about this differently. Because to me, a miracle is, wow, spontaneous, instantaneously it happened, it changed. And he he changed my view on that. And I was, okay, as a doctor, I need to start thinking differently on that. And that was amazing. But it was absolutely incredible, the change in her life. So if I can share one of the things that that I appreciate about about you, Dr. Kyson, is you think not only about our current group, but you think beyond that, you think towards the next generation and the generation after that. And you, I see in you this concept of a legacy of change, not just in, because being one of the older guys, (laughs) you and I can kind of start to see more of the end. Of course, mine may be a little bit 
farther than I think. But yeah, but I I appreciate that you see beyond that. You see, okay, who's who's going to come up in behind them, and what what foundation can we leave for them? Because that's in some essence what we have done as we've taken the foundation we have given and expanded upon it. And how do we just keep continuing to do that? Not for ourselves, but for all of mankind. That's what it is. We want to leave an impact in the world behind us. I mean, that's, that's the greatest calling is to come into the world and leave it a better place than you found it. And have impact. How do we do that? How do we change people's lives? I mean, that there's nothing that gets me more excited about going to work to figure out how I'm going to change somebody's life for the better change their kids life. I love working with kids, especially ones that are struggling, that are chronic, because if you can change their life at this point in grade school or in high school, you change the entire trajectory of their life and what they're able to achieve and what they're able to pass on from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. And, And that, that's what gets me jazzed to get up in the morning and come to work and to, and to work with you guys and to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to close on one last thought. Um, I hope that if you're listening to this or watching this, you can hear the passion in all of our voices as we're talking about how excited we get when we get patients who are just, I mean, literally at the end of their rope and they have nothing left except for us. And to change their life, that is what really, I mean, gets us up out of bed, especially on the hard cases. Mm-hmm. This whole series on energy medicine partly was born out of Patients being kind of like Dr. Craig had mentioned, uncomfortable or or thinking that this is somehow new age. I We certainly haven't been shy throughout this whole podcast journey of where we stand, how our faith is very important to us. We work with people from all backgrounds, but our faith is very important to us. And we try to walk in integrity in that. Yeah. We, we're not opening ourselves up to anything. So whether or not you think we're new age, I what I have to say is I honestly couldn't care less. Because what I care about is patients who tell me they've had 31 good days, now going on 45, when they could only have one good day. And it was a battle just to get two sometimes. I care about families being changed. I, I care about people's lives literally being changed and telling everyone else. So if, if that's what you're going to accuse me of, that's fine because I know where I stand with my God. So anyways, I just felt like I should end on that. I think we've all been divinely called to be here and to where we're doing or what we're doing now and where we're at. So it's, it's definitely been a calling and it's definitely been a blessing. And so I'm just thankful for uh, God's grace and mercy in all of our lives and the ability to forgive us for our past and allow us to continue to heal and grow and to allow us to take these aspects of the things that we've suffered through and struggled with and to be able to help others get through it because that really is the greatest calling. Yeah. Like the fact that over a decade ago or more so ago, we had these dreams and now we're living them. You know, yeah. we have strove to get to this phase and have this uh, capacity and this ability and God's just exploding it. Yeah. I love it. But in typical God fashion, it doesn't match our dream. No, no. Well, we true. had the dreams, but he had to break that apart, re-scramble it up and change it into something even more beautiful, more mosaic yeah. than we could ever comprehend. And now we're sitting there going, Wow. What's the next process? <laughs> well, see, and I think that even ties into the concept of we tend to think, and this intuition, that I, to me, it's it, the exact opposite of New Age. It is God. It's mm-hmm. God guiding us. It's through right. his spirit that right. we're getting this intuition mm-hmm. and That's information. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. it takes us not where we necessarily thought it should go or would go, where it is best to go. Ramsey, the joke is you know how to make God laugh? Make plans. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyways, I say that not to sound like I don't care about what you think, but we just care about this community and and getting people better 
more than what other people might perceive about us. Blessings and thanks for paying attention to this series and please tell your friends. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.